It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. everyone, welcome back to the latest Raymond Jays podcast. I am John Corrales here, and I need to start with breaking news. If you listened to the last show, at the end of the last show, Jay King and I had a little problem, a little disagreement, uh, a little bit of a falling out, for lack of a better term, over basketball movies. Uh, Jay requested a trade, and our breaking news, we were able to accommodate his request, so... Jay King has been sent to Celtic Stuff Live along with a conditional first-round pick. And we have acquired, I'm very happy to say, John Duke from Celtic Stuff Live, now co-host of the Rain and Jays podcast. John Duke, welcome to the show. I appreciate this, man. This is so, it's like a reunion of sorts. You're coming back home. It is, I, you know. I really, uh, I've, you know, um, it's been great. Uh, certainly, the, didn't have to change the, <laughs> excuse me, uh, didn't have to change the name, and um, yeah, just you know, really glad to be hold, here. Hold Love on. the show. <clears throat> yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, I don't know. Just, just fighting something off. I, I'll be, I'll be fine. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse right. me. Sorry. Now, Sorry. I, I want to make sure that we're we're good because we still have some final details to finish off with the, with this trade i want to make sure that you're good because this is this is a big deal for us you know to switch midstream like this it's i want to make sure you're good well yeah yeah you know i, I feel good you know I, i'm loaded up with all kinds of um, uh vitamins and and all that yeah on, um, a, <clears throat> the uh the medical <sighs> team has me. just given me yeah uh oh this is this is embarrassing the metal kill team has given me the results of your physical here, and um, yeah, all good, right? Yep. <clears throat> no, you um, you failed. Right. You failed what? your physical. What? 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 <clears throat> that's that's impossible. No, you have uh, you have a a, a long term uh, apparent throat issue, uh, Doc Rivers itis. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. That's um. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Oh wow. Jeez. Um, <laughs> Uh, listen, it's on Blake. This one's on Blake. I, I think. Have to, uh, I'm sorry to. Geez. I'm sorry to say this, but the, the uh, Reds Army front office is actually rescinding this trade. What? We're res- we have to rescind this trade. That's outrageous. No. Um, Don't send me back there, man. It's. I, I'm it's sorry. Terrible. I mean, <sighs> we've had our, our our good times, and I was looking forward to you coming back. But uh, yeah, I can't, in good conscience, for the best of the reigning Jays podcast make a long-term commitment to you with this kind of medical information. So it's nothing personal, John, but Whatever. Uh, you're going to have to go back to your show with, with Justin, and um, I wish you all the best. Yeah, well, 
thanks for nothing. Uh, Doc said I'm fine. Uh, I don't know what your issue is, but uh, yeah, good luck or something. Uh, and and yeah, go watch some basketball movies, Corrales, for crying out loud. Okay, so uh, I guess since that trade was rescinded, um, we're going to have to bring Jay King back to reigning Jays. Um, Jay? Yeah, I, I feel like Pau Gasol, when the Chris Paul trade was vetoed and he knew he, he could have been on the way out and they were looking to move him, and then he went back to L.A. and it never felt the same again, and he needed to go to Chicago to kind of lift himself back up, I I might need to request a trade somewhere down the line. This This is not the end of the reigning Jays trade requests. This is only the beginning. And the fact that that I had to be connected with a first-round pick is a little disappointing. Uh, hopefully I'll make you feel like like Ryan McDonough, where you, you regret even offering that trade somewhere down the line. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're going the Boogie Cousins route and throwing a tantrum over this rather than being professional. Trying not to make yeah, this pro- awkward. Yeah, professional isn't isn't really something I do very much, especially when, when I'm when I'm traded. I've never been traded before. This is the first time. It's it's a different feeling. Well, technically, you haven't been traded now. It's just a thing that happened. So yeah, let's just try to put it behind us and talk about basketball if we could. Fine, <laughs> fine. I guess I guess I can try. I appreciate it. The Celtics, fresh off a big win. Over the Miami Heat, and uh, a, a huge win in the sense that it, it solidifies their hold on the third seed. They're now two games up, and they get a tiebreaker. So they're essentially three games up over Miami because they own the tiebreaker. So, and it's their tenth win in a row at home. So big swings for the Celtics, uh, and they it, particularly impressive. Jay is that they came out. Horribly, they played horribly at the beginning, and they ran away with it at the end, which is a really good sign. Yeah, and your boy Evan Turner had a huge second quarter to kind of bring them back in. Yeah, I mean, he was he was great in the second. He's he's had so many games where he's had clutch moments, whether it's in the fourth quarter or when the other teams had a run. He's just been really useful off the bench, and I know you didn't like him at the, the beginning of the season. But every week we have this conversation now where Evan Turner has done something good and he did it again. And then Miami's a team that Brad seems raved about how hard they play, their culture, everything. And then the Celtics just were on another level. When, when you've got Jared Sullinger beating Justice Winslow to a loose ball, that, that's when you know your team is playing hard. Yeah. Um, you know. My, my, my favorite moment of the game was after that play, he threw it ahead to Avery Bradley. And as Avery Bradley was finishing the layup, Goran Dragic and Justice Winslow were sitting like with their backs to each other at midcourt, like just completely dazed, confused. They had just been beaten by Jared Sullinger to a loose ball. And that was that was kind of the symbol of the game. Just the Celtics played harder and the Heat were just left there sitting at midcourt wondering what the heck just happened. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And you know, I, I feel like I continually have to justify my Evan Turner stuff I it, I never not liked Evan Turner the person the player I never was like I don't care what he does I just hate the guy I hated the way he was playing 
he was playing terribly, and now he's playing well. I can freely admit that when he's playing well and when he's playing poorly, I have no... I, I hope that people understand that it wasn't completely irrational that I didn't like what he was doing on the floor. Like I was justified in not liking what he was doing on the floor, and... I try to be not to not to pull a tangway here. But I call him like I see him, but that's what I thought at the time that he was playing poorly, and now he's playing well. I'm not sitting here like you know. As soon as my Evan Turner jersey comes in the mail, you know maybe I'll change my tune a little bit. Actually, at Celtics Welch asked me thoughts on people wearing jerseys of guys younger than them. If you don't mind it, John, have you ordered your Turner jersey yet? <laughs> So that was, um, I don't, I don't care if people wear jerseys, you want to wear a jersey to a game. That's cool. That's fine. Just my only thing personally, like don't bro out and show us how much you lift by wearing, uh, an extra medium Jersey. You know, you want to wear like the, the small Isaiah Thomas Jersey, but you're like a six foot tall dude who like, okay, we get it. You can, you can bench a lot. Like, don't be that guy. That's my random thought on the jerseys. Uh, John does not like strong Celtics fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, let's let's get into uh, a little bit more of a discussion. We're going to bring in our guest today, uh, Sean Devaney of the Sporting News, who is joining us. Our first guest. Sean, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's just get into this. Uh, I think people still want to get back to the trade deadline. Still a big topic of conversation for us. So from your perspective, from what you saw and what your sources were telling you, what were the Celtics trying to do? What were their, what were their goals at the trade deadline? Well, you know, it, it, it's been the same goal that it's been for the last uh, uh, few transaction periods. Whether you talk about last you know, last year's trade deadline or or, or last year, uh, you know, last year's off season, the summer of last year, um, the draft of last year. You know, if you look at uh, what Danny has tried to do every single time, it's take the assets he has and see if he can consolidate and and, and move them for. Uh, a star player and, and, and sort of upgrade uh, the overall talent level. That's been the approach every single time, and, and, and this time was no different. I think he's gotten to a point where he's in a much better position and he can start having, uh, you know, better conversations, even if nothing comes out of it. Uh, I think a lot of groundwork was laid uh, uh, for the summer in terms of, uh, okay, what's going to be next with this team? Uh, you know, are they going to be able to get that, uh, uh, that star player? And, and, and how good of a star player is it that they're going to be able to get? So I think that that's the approach that they've had. Uh, has been pretty consistent uh, all along. I think they're just in a better position now because uh, they have sort of raised the level of talent overall uh, on that roster. One of the questions that Jay and I have debated on the show in the past is whether there's a sort of expiration date on some of these assets because the Celtics have at least three first-round picks and they control 15% of the draft coming up, but... They've got a pretty stacked roster and a lot of young guys and I believe nine guaranteed contracts. And so I guess the question is, are they going to have to make, what if they do have to make all of those picks? Is there a way for them to get out of that or is this going to be a problem for them? 
No, yeah, and, and I think that that's something that other teams have understood when they go into a negotiation with the Celtics and, and why there's been some frustration uh, from Ainge in the front office in terms of uh, what, what they've been able to get done or, or, or where they run into roadblocks uh, with these things is, you know, that it, it, you're right. That, that, you know, other teams know that, hey, you know, do they really want four rookies or, or maybe, we will be, maybe we will be better off waiting to see, you know, where their picks fall in the lottery uh, and then, uh, and then, you know, kind of get them when they're a little more up against the wall in that last week of June, uh, heading into the draft, you know? So I, I think that that's been one of the sources of frustration from the Celtics is that they know they have these assets, but, you know, once you start to, uh, uh, you know, force their hand a little bit, it, it, it becomes much tougher for them to make a deal. So I, I do think that that's been, uh, uh, sort of in the back of the minds of, uh, of teams that are dealing with the Celtics and, and, and one reason the Celtics haven't been able to sort of get over that hump uh, in terms of uh, pulling off the kind of trade that they're looking for. So does this mean they're they're going to have to overpay? Are they going to have to give in to some of these teams' requests and overpay for some of the things that they're looking for? Yeah, we, we already saw them try to do that, right, last year at the tra- at, at the draft. You know, I mean, they, they, they were ready to overpay uh, to get Justice Winslow. And, and you know, I mean, that's, that's, that sort of is the, uh, the, the position that you're in is, you know, it's so strange to see how some teams value uh, draft picks and, and, and how other teams sort of uh, uh, shrug them off a little bit. Uh, you know, teams are, t- tend to really want to protect their own draft picks. But when it comes to training for other draft picks, it kind of gets a little dodgy. And, and I think that's the, the situation the Celtics have found themselves in. Um, so, yeah, I do think it's a, a situation that eventually they are going to have to overpay. Uh, but they're... I think they're still in a position where they're going to have to overpay by giving up too many unknown assets. That's the thing is that they're still unknown assets and, and, and you might have some of these picks wind up uh, be, turning into players who, who, who don't really produce very much. Uh, you might have uh, some of the, the, the young guys that they might include uh, not turn into very much. So, you know, you, you, that, that's the thing is you're, you're still giving up unknown quantities trying to find that known quantity. And, and that's not a bad position to be in uh, if you're the Celtics, because I do think we will see over this summer that uh, that some of the names that were sort of running through the trade uh, rumor mill, uh, I think we're going to wind up seeing those names right back uh, uh, in the same place again in July. Really? Like who? Well, Kevin Love, uh, you know, certainly, look, I don't think Cleveland's going to win a championship this year. And, and who do you think is going to take the fall? You know, it's, it's not going to be LeBron. It's not going to be Kyrie Irving. It's not going to be Tyrone Lue. Who's left? It's going to be Kevin Love. So I think you'll see him back on the market. Uh, I think if the Clippers uh, fade out, as they almost always do or always do, uh, you know, if they, if they have another second-round exit, and it looks like they will, they're not going to beat Golden State. They're not going to beat San Antonio. So if they have another second-round exit, I think you'll see Blake Griffin at least be discussed again. Uh, at least Doc Rivers is going to have to, uh, uh, you know, sit back and, 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 and listen to more offers for him. So, uh, you know, those are a, a couple of names. I think Goran Dragic is a guy, uh, you know, if, if things don't work out in Miami and, and, and things sort of keep coming apart, I think he's a guy that they might try to uh, get ahead of his contract a little bit and, and, and possibly move him. Uh, uh, you know, I, DeMarcus Cousins will certainly come up again, of course. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the big names we heard, uh, even though you had the team say, no, 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 nothing's going to happen. I think that you're going to see a lot of that. Uh, you know, when you talk to GMs around the league, 
the impression is that uh, uh, that what was happening this past uh, a couple weeks was you saw a lot of groundwork being laid. It wasn't necessarily that the deals were going to be made at the deadline, but those are deals that will come back up uh, in uh, uh, in July. One of the guys that, that was brought up in, to hear Danny Ainge talk uh, in the immediate aftermath of the trade deadline was Jalil Okafor, and he was saying a lot of those things where we didn't get a deal done, but we feel good about revisiting it potentially later. And yeah. this was before Okafor's name came out, but now now it seems to be everybody seems to agree that, okay, yeah, that's legit. That, that was the name. Is this something that you think we should be watching for as Philly tries to kind of refocus? They've redone their power structure a little bit over there, and they have the potential uh, – uh, Joel Embiid coming back. So is that something that you think there's there's some fire there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question that uh, uh, that, that was a move that they were considering, that Philly was considering, and, and that they'll have to consider again, especially, like I say, as we get closer to the draft, you have a better understanding of what the Celtics actually have in terms of the lottery. And, you know, I think that that is definitely something that uh, – uh, that, that Philly would come back to. Uh, I don't think the Celtics would overpay for Okafor. You know, they want somebody who they know uh, is going to be able to produce at a high level. And I think Okafor, there's still a lot of questions about him, not just off the floor, but still on the floor as well. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't think that's a guy that they're necessarily going to overpay for. Uh, but, you know, there's no question that, that, that Philadelphia considered moving him uh, and will certainly be right back there again uh, when, uh, when we get around draft time. So, all of this being said, uh, and, and you, you see the team a lot, if, if you were Danny Ainge, what would, what would your priorities be for the Celtics? You know, I, I still think you need that star player. I think as, 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 as nice as this team has been and as much fun as they are to watch, I think you know that if you're not going to uh, um, you know, compete for a championship – uh, then uh, you know, then you've got to you've got to think about all right. Well, what's next? That you know, being a 45, 46 win team year in and year out, that 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 kind of gets stuck in the middle uh, uh, of that draft order. You know, picking 17, and then, you know, when you get stuck like that, uh, you know, that's something that, uh, uh, that 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 you really don't want to be in that limbo. Now, of course, they have the benefit of owning Brooklyn's picks for the next few years. Uh, so they will be in a, in, in a little bit of a different position and that allows you to maybe not be too hasty in terms of how you approach this. But I still think you need to, um, you know, sit back and consistently swing for the fences in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of uh, getting that star player. Uh, but again, you know, I mean, you're not in a bad position where you are, you know, winning those 45, 46 games, uh, you know, you don't want to be there going forward, but, you know, certainly you can live with that and, and, and you've done a nice job rebuilding, uh, but I still think you need to swing for the fences, uh, um, you, you know, when those opportunities arise. And, and, and Danny's done that every single time, and, and there's no reason to think that, uh, uh, that, that, that he won't continue to do that. Uh, is there anybody on this team that, in that scenario then, would you consider untouchable in, in a trade? No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I really don't think uh, uh, that there's anybody who, who you wouldn't give up, you know, as much as uh, uh, you like Isaiah Thomas and, and uh, you know, as much as uh, uh, Jay Crowder has really proven to be such a huge value for, for, for what they're paying him. Uh, you know, I, I don't think any of those guys is going to keep you from making that blockbuster trade. Uh, now, having said that, you're not, you're certainly not out there 
trying to trade Isaiah Thomas or or or, or Crowder, but uh, uh, but you know, I, yeah, I, I think there's 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 nobody on this team that uh, uh, that would make me say no, 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 you can't trade him. One thing about Isaiah Thomas, and 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 that you have to consider when you're doing this is, you know, if you want to sign free agents, he's very well liked around the league, and and so you do need. Uh, sort of that face of the franchise that that you can have, uh, you know. Hey, can you text this guy and 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 you know tell him to you know at least give us a visit and stuff like that. Uh, you know, he is valuable in 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 ways that are uh, you know maybe not just measured on the floor, but in terms of how you're building a roster. So there is there are things like that to consider. Uh, but in terms of uh, uh, you know, would you would you make a deal uh, if it included Isaiah Thomas? If it was one that was really going to improve your team, yeah, you, I, I think you'd have. To. All right, let's move uh, a little bit to the NBA before we let you go since you are you do cover the entire league. Um, is Steph Curry human? You know, it's a good question, and I think he is eminently human, and I think that that helps explain why everybody loves him. I, I, it's, I mean, I was up in Toronto and, 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 and saw him and, and saw how he interacted with people, and obviously he was there for a little, you know, his dad was there, so, uh, you know, he has some ties, but... Just, you know, when you see him, uh, you know, if you go over to Warriors practice when they were here uh, uh, at Emerson and, and, and there was just such a huge crowd there, uh, obviously, look, that's a popular team, but it's mostly him. And everybody loves him. And, and I think one of the reasons they love him is because he is human. He just look at him. I mean, he doesn't look that different than, you know, your average kid out there, you know, trying to, uh, trying to work on his three point game. So, uh, you know, I think that, that, yeah, I think his humanity is one of the reasons why he is so immensely popular. Uh, but certainly when you look at what he does, uh, when, 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 when he's in the zone like he was last night, uh, yeah, you, then, then you start to wonder if the guy's maybe part robot. That was amazing to watch last night. Uh, I just couldn't. I was out, and the entire bar was just up and down, and there were no allegiances. Everybody uh, was just going nuts seeing that. And when he hit that 35-footer or whatever, it was just the entire place almost came down. Um, and one more thing, uh, there's this, a lot of this talk about front offices and, and guys being hired, and Sean Marks was just hired by, by Brooklyn, and, and guys are being – shuffled in and out of front offices and now there's a lot of discussion about minorities running teams and there's some talk about potentially instituting the so-called Rooney rule which the NFL has for the NBA just give me if you could some general thoughts on that is there any momentum for something like that in the league yeah, I think there is. I mean, certainly there was a time, if you go back uh, about 10, 15 years ago, uh, you know, there was a time where there were a lot of minorities running teams, and, and you saw it. Uh, uh, you really would not have thought it to be much of an issue, uh, but the direction it's gone has been the opposite, and, and you can say it's cyclical, and, and chances are it is. Uh, but, you know, what the Rooney Rule tries to do, of course, is just to ensure that you're giving everybody at least a hearing. And, and I think that uh, the way the Sean Marks thing came down really sort of emphasizes the fact that, that, that nobody else really got that hearing. You, you know, nobody else was really considered. So I think that, that that's, from that angle, I think the NBA uh, needs to and will consider that something that, that Adam Silver is very, very sensitive about always has been and uh uh you know so i i i think that's something that uh, uh that he's going to want to push when uh, uh when we get a board of governors meeting uh, uh in april uh that that I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that 
sort of be at the top of his agenda. It's not, it's not, you know, it, look, it's not affirmative action or quotas or anything. It's not like that. It's just, you got to make sure that everybody's getting a fair hearing. And I, and I think that, uh, uh, that, that more and more we've seen that that's not been the case, uh, in terms of, uh, uh the hiring of front office staff. Great. Hey, we're not going to let you go without letting you plug anything. So you got anything good coming up in the sporting news? Anything you're working on? You want to let us know? Uh, yeah, you know, we're, uh, we're working on some stuff about the Miami Heat. We'll be interested to see what they do going forward. And uh, uh, if I can plug, uh, I've got a book out, too, called Fun City. So uh, uh, I'd like to plug that if people want to find it's more about New York in the 60s. But uh, uh, but uh, I think it's a pretty nice read. So uh, I'd like to plug that as well. Absolutely. It's called what now? Fun City? Fun City, yeah. It's about uh, Joe Namath and, and New York in the 60s. Uh, uh, so uh, a little, little bit of a different uh, uh, you know, uh, context for me, but uh, the one that I enjoyed doing. Cool. Awesome. And where can people find you on social media? Uh, just at Sean Devaney, S-E-A-N. Great. Well, Sean Devaney from the Sporting News, really appreciate, uh, appreciate you taking a few minutes out to join us on the show. You're our first guest. You're our first ever guest on the Rain Jays podcast. Well, I, I'm looking forward to listening then. <laughs> All right, Chuck. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. All right, guys. So, Jay, one of the first things that stuck out to me from Sean was the value of Isaiah Thomas in in his role in free agency. I know he said that everybody is available, and I think that jives with just about what everybody's saying. If If it's for the right guy, everybody is available. But generally speaking, I think Isaiah Thomas is is as untouchable as it gets for this team, considering who has been rumored to be out there. I really think it's interesting that he's the guy that he's so well-liked that the Celtics can kind of lean on him as part of a recruiting uh, situation. Isn't it funny because, you know, he was rumored to have issues with DeMarcus Cousins. He, obviously, there were chemistry issues in Phoenix. And then he comes to Boston, and everyone loves him. Like, he's giving hugs to Cousins at the All-Star game. Uh, Kevin Love is his former AAU teammate. Like a lot of people, really kind of flock to Isaiah Thomas. He's he's got that infectious smile. He's got a really open, friendly personality, and I, I do think a lot of people like him. I don't know if that'll make a difference ultimately, but there are definitely people who like him. And when you go around the league, you know Gary Tangway and Greg Dickerson aside. People really respect what he's done. And every team, when they come into Boston, game plans for Isaiah Thomas. All the players around the league know Isaiah Thomas is held to stop. And because of what he's done in Boston, because of that kind of friendly personality, he is I, – I don't want to say he's like this huge draw. He's not like LeBron James where guys are going to take pay cuts to play alongside him. But – you know, he, he is – among their players, he's obviously, I think, the, the greatest draw to play with. And I, I do think Brad Stevens is still the most important part when you're going out to free agents and saying, look, here's what we have. Here's what we can offer you. But, you know, having that young core and the success they've had the, the, since the trade deadline last year, since Thomas came to Boston, that's important when you're going after guys. You know, you look at possible free agent targets and – you know, guy, a guy like Al Horford, as recently as last season, that looked like no way he was leaving Atlanta. The Hawks were had won 60 games. The Celtics were just kind of bottom of the playoff team. Now the re- situations have flipped. 
And if they go after Al Horford and can say, you know what, Al, if you come here, we've already got the number three seed in the East. Add you on top of it. Then we've got other free agency money. We've got a top lottery pick from Brooklyn. Now maybe you're talking. So I do think Isaiah is important. I, I think the whole development of the roster is important. And Brad Stevens is important. And, you know, it's just a stable organization. They have a lot to offer. Obviously, the weather is not good. And the tax situation probably isn't as good as a lot of other places. But when it comes down to a basketball product, they're going to have a competitive offer. Yeah, and I think you're right on. It's When you think of playing in Boston, when you're from the outside looking in, Playing in Boston, playing alongside Isaiah Thomas, you see the type of things that he can do as a free agent if you're watching a Celtics game. And you're watching that game yesterday afternoon. Let's just say that you're whatever, a, a player out west and or a player with an off day, and it's a Saturday afternoon and you just want to watch an NBA game. You look at that team, uh, Brad Stevens pulling uh, another out-of-timeout play that leads to an easy basket, so you get that example of, wow, man, this coach just keeps pulling this stuff off. You see how hard they play, guys diving all over the place. Uh, imagine playing with Marcus Smart in the backcourt. Imagine playing with Bradley in the backcourt and alongside Isaiah Thomas and alongside Jay Crowder. There's a lot to like when you sit there. If you're, uh, let's just say you're Al Horford and you're wondering what your future will bring, that seems like a pretty good situation. Up and coming, a, a team that that is really close to competing in the East, and when your main competition is only the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's not like there's three or four great teams in the East. There's just that one, and who knows what that one is going to be next year. I don't know. I think a, a free agent looking at this Boston situation, it's it's not it's not a bad situation. When you look at across the league, who has I mean everybody's got money. Who has the right situation? Boston is in a really good a really good spot. Yeah. And but I, I do want to caution that the free agent class isn't great. And you know, obviously Kevin Durant's out there. There, there was talk on Twitter, which I thought was pretty – it was a, a fun day on Twitter when I think Nate Jones, at Jones on the NBA, tweeted something about how Boston would be the number one destination for Kevin Durant if – or should be the number one Kevin Durant destination if he wanted to go to the East. And Nate Jones – I don't think there was any inside information there. It wasn't a report. It was just speculation. All of a sudden, like everyone's chiming in, like, "Oh yeah, Kevin Durant would look great on the Celtics." Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny how that one tweet kind of shaped how like the rest of the day went on Twitter, and then pretty soon everyone was daydreaming about Kevin Durant, and that was just really funny. Uh, I I had a chat. This was toward the beginning of this year, and the Celtics thought. They had no chance with Kevin Durant and very little chance with Al Horford. Now, you know, maybe that their situation with Horford could be better. But af after those guys, and maybe Mike Conley, who I'm not sure he fits because he's older and plays the same position as Isaiah Thomas. But 
there's not it's not a deep free agent class and there's going to be a ton of teams with money so free agency may not be the best way to go i i think a lot of it is going to come down to the trade market and a lot of it is going to come down to where that nets pick falls the nets pick right now it looks like they're probably going to finish fourth in the lottery standings because phoenix is just free falling Danny Ainge must, must be like, Ryan McDonough, what the heck, man? How did you let that team get so damn bad? Because uh, every Phoenix loss is hurting the Celtics Nick, Nets pick. But, you know, it's it'll still be a top seven pick. It, it'll still have, I think, an 11% chance of landing number one overall. A 37% chance of landing in the top three. And... You know, that's that's a huge piece. And, and Ainge has shown, even if it falls out of the top three, if it's number five where it was in 2007, he turned that into Ray Allen. And obviously he needed to attach some other pieces to it. But Celtics have a lot of pieces. They they, they aren't lacking for trade pieces. They, they need that, that upper-level talent. And that's what they'll be looking for this summer. And, and there could be some, some interesting opportunities out there. Well, this this brings us to some of these Twitter questions. We got a lot of Twitter questions, by the way. Thanks, everybody. Uh, let's work some of these in because they're relevant. At Fever Green, who, what are the Celtics' three most valuable assets? Uh, and he says, uh, number one, the Brooklyn pick. Number two, Marcus Smart. Number three, Jake Crowder, because of their contracts. So, if you had to rank the Celtics' top three assets. Does that sound good to you? That doesn't sound like a bad top three. That might be right. I, I'm Isaiah Thomas has a really good contract too, but it's not as long as Crowder's. So he's up there too. And I, I do think he's more like team specific how valuable he is. I think any team could use Crowder because he could play the three or the four or whatever, wherever you want to play him. Whereas Isaiah needs the ball in his hands. And he needs to be that scorer to be at his best. Obviously, he's going to be good. Even when he was in Phoenix and he was a third guard off the bench, he was really efficient, really productive. But he, he's more so when he has the ball, like he does in Boston. It's been, been such a good fit in Boston. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. Yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, I'm assuming that Isaiah Thomas is staying. So I, he's... I don't want to rank him as an asset because I don't think the Celtics want to get rid of him. But they don't want to get rid of smarter Crowder either. Right. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I think I think the Celtics pick, uh, the Brooklyn pick, is is pretty valuable. And it's, look, we yeah, we have to wait to see what it is. If that pick ends up being the number one pick, then that's a game changer. That completely changes what we think about a lot of things. So that's a, I mean that is a franchise changer and then then all of a sudden it's like the guys like the Kevin Love and whoever else all of a sudden the teams that have been reluctant to trade guys like that maybe even DeMarcus Cousins it's like oh that's the number one pick like now it, it, that's automatically going to be either Ben Simmons Brandon Ingram whatever and that's a that's a completely different conversation than what it is right now where you don't know where it's going to land so yeah d- Ainge always talks about how things could have been different in 2007 if instead of getting the number five pick, he had gotten the one or two pick. And not just because 
he could have either drafted Kevin Durant or Greg Oden, but because it would have opened up so many trade possibilities, and instead of having to attach, you know, Delonte West, Ryan Gomes, Al Jefferson to the number five pick, and ultimately uh, in the KG trade, then you could have gotten maybe one of those guys. You could have held on to Al Jefferson and still gotten, you know, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett or some some similar version of that. So, that I mean, if that pick, if they get really lucky and that pick lands number one, or I think number two because I do think this is a two-player draft, uh, a two-star two draft. Uh, that's the way GMs look at it. That is an absolute game-changer. And then you still have all the young talent there already in Boston. And to just either add that number one pick, I, I think we've talked about this, whether we would – keep the number one pick or trade it for a more established talent? Well, yeah, it, it, it would have to be a star player. Like I, I'm not opposed to trading a number one pick, even in, even in a draft like this where, where people are very high on those top picks because it's still going to take two, three years for that kid to become what he is. I mean, even you, you look at Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, he's had some great games, but he's – it's still taking him some time to grow into the NBA. So I'm not opposed to trading that that pick, that player, for a top-notch free agent, uh, you know, sign-and-trade type of deal situation. But it that, that changes, obviously, the caliber of player that we're trading him for. So, And it would have to be young, too. I, I think – that's that's really important because, I mean, you look. I'm sure Cleveland already regrets trading for Kevin Love, and Kevin Love is not an older guy by any stretch. Um, but I'm sure they already regret trading Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love, or at least a small part of them wonders what they could look like, not just now, but for the next however many years with Andrew Wiggins, Kevin Love, and LeBron James. Or <laughs> Andrew Wiggins, Kyrie Irving, and LeBron James. Right. Um, yeah, so, that yeah. would be interesting. That would be interesting, especially because LeBron has so many minutes, so many miles on those legs that it'd be kind of, I think, the ascension of Andrew Wiggins and the decline of LeBron James would would kind of coincide. It would be it would be kind of nice for them. To, to have LeBron kind of be able to back off a little bit and you can give Wiggins more of the load and th- those times where LeBron backed off, it wouldn't be so detrimental to the team. But they didn't. Uh, would I mean, obviously the ripple effect from that would have been love would have come to the Celtics because the Celtics had the best deal on the table until Cleveland got Wiggins and that changed everything. But if they decided to keep Wiggins, then Kevin Love would have come to Boston and that was with Rondo still here. And so imagine the ripple effect. Rondo may never have been traded. Jay Crowder might have been developed in da- in Dallas. Isaiah Thomas, who knows if he had, would still be in Phoenix or if he would have gone to Miami. So many questions, so many different things that could have gone wrong. I think it's also neat to wonder whether Golden State ultimately would have caved and included Clay Thompson in a Kevin Love offer. Because that that would have changed everything, yeah. and then we wouldn't have gotten that incredible Golden State Oklahoma City game, where Steph Curry. I mean, Let's... I was sitting on my couch 
by myself, literally all alone by myself in my living room, laughing hysterically. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't, I was just laughing. It was absurd. I mean, he, the, the game winner from 35, where Ennis Cantor, you look over on the bench and he just shrugs like, oh. Before the ball even goes through the hoop. <laughs> he knew it. He's like, oh, he knew it. man. He knew it. He's like, he's like, oh, man. Steph did it again. Just another ho-hum 37-footer from, <laughs> from the moon. I mean, it, it's unreal. He takes shots no one in the world would even take. And they're good. They're great shots. That shot. I just read a stat. I just read a stat saying that this month he's been so efficient that basically every shot he takes, every single shot, is the equivalent of a LeBron James layup. <laughs> That's a LeBron James layup. Like, that is just obscene. We're we're witnessing, pun intended, the uh, this transformation. What an what the best offensive player in the league is like that shot. He measured that shot. That shot that he took was exactly the shot that he intended to take. It wasn't like the Marcus smart, uh, failed buzzer beater from the other night where he just ran as fast as he could, as far as he could before he had to take whatever shot was there with that much time on the clock. Steph Curry got his steps. He got his steps together. You could see, he was like, all right, this is it. Got him one, two, boom, released it, and that's exactly what he wanted to do. And- yeah, he, he had like three seconds left when he caught it, and he was in no rush. Like most guys would try to like sprint toward the hoop, maybe try to draw a foul. Like remember what John Wall tried to do against the Celtics earlier this season, and <laughs> he just took his time. was like, oh, whatever, I'll just – Get to my spot, forty feet away from the basket, and uh, that's it. Game over. <laughs> so I, I, it's stupid. It is so stupid. And the crowd, it was just complete silence. Like Stephen Curry is a killer. He is a cold-blooded man. He's, he's not nice, man. I, I, <laughs> I was out. Uh, so I went out last night. To uh, I watched Deadpool, which was good. Um, I still haven't watched any of your basketball movies, though. But I saw Deadpool last night, and then after the after the movie, I went to a Buffalo Wild Wings, sitting there. First of all, begging for the the game to go into overtime. I was like, one of the those commercials better be right. One of you better pull like the Phantom beer tap and get this game into OT somehow. And magically, it did. That- I'm not sure I believe you that you were at Buffalo Wild Wings. That that's too convenient. I seriously I was. I, I wouldn't I would not lie about wings. I, I'll say a that's, lot of things, but I would not publicly lie about about wings. Yeah, I literally <laughs> I was at a Buffalo Wild Wings, like, come on man, the commercial's gotta be true. And then Kevin Durant throws that crazy pass. And I gotta say, the Warriors smart for trapping in the backcourt. You know what's interesting about that is the Celtics do that all the time. And Ron Adams, who runs the Warriors' defense, is the same guy who worked with Brad Stevens yeah. in Stevens' first year. So that kind of ties into the Celtics. The Celtics do that all the time, where they don't go for the foul right away, and they kind of try to make you scramble and go for that steal. And Kevin Durant just freaked out, absolutely freaked out. 
as much as the Warriors just earn that game, the Thunder must be like, what the heck? Like, yeah. we allowed all that crap to happen. We didn't need to make Stephen Curry's legend grow. We could have just held on to the ball, got fouled, or found someone open, run out the clock, and instead, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even Durant, he fouled Iguodala. Yeah. What? He throws the ball away and then fouls Iguodala on a 17-footer. That was a bad footer. sequence. It was a bad sequence for KD. And he, he had an unbelievable game. He was awesome. He he is awesome. Yeah. But, but man, that, that was a bad, bad sequence. Now, that goes to show exactly how amazing Curry is. That he no one is talking about the game that Durant had. No one's talking about Iguodala's two free throws to tie the game and send it into overtime. Everybody is just I mean, it's all curry all the time. I know some people are getting sick of it. I saw I clicked on a sports center tweet. They sent out some you know, they like to put some random stat out there, whatever. They're they're just doing what they do. They just tweeted something out. And people in the in the comments, in the in the mentions were, oh my God, they're so sick of hearing about Steph Curry. This is like the LeBron thing all over again. But How can you be sick of hearing it? He does something thing. new and ridiculous every night. I, I mean, don't he, know. he tied the NBA record for most threes in a single game with a 40 footer in overtime to beat one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. And he also has already set the single season record, which he had last year for most three pointers. And it's February, and they're already clinched. They've already clinched the playoff berth, and they're fifty-three and five. Fifty-three and five. He is absurd. They are absurd. And Oscar Robertson, what? <laughs> My brother texted me after Curry hit that shot. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Oscar Robertson would have pressed up to half court, and he never would have gotten the shot off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I know. Big O. Look, you got to respect a guy that was as legendary as Oscar Robertson. But Look, look, you can respect everything he did while saying he is a clown for saying what he said about Stephen Curry. I I know, like, everybody who – moves on from whatever it is even like i look back at high school basketball and i'm like well in my day our teams would have killed all you guys but come on like if you can't recognize stephen curry's brilliance what kind of brilliance are you going to recognize sit down grab some popcorn grab a beer and just enjoy it man like if you cannot appreciate what he's doing you can't appreciate anything in the world I know. Like, I know. How, honestly, honestly, like that—that th- that is the most joyful thing in the world to watch Stephen Curry do what he does. I—I I, I was laughing, like hysterically laughing by myself, doing nothing, and yeah. that's what he does. That's what we he should does. probably talk about the Celtics. So let, we, let's we let's go should. back to this. I Celtics. will. I will mention, and will, and this is how we'll do it. Uh, Celtics, Mike. Actually, tweet it says on Raining Jays. Please talk about the game that uh, Golden State uh, OKC game for five minutes, which we just did. So that was for Celtics, Mike. Um, and, we got you, Mike. And then Michael Roy asks, "Is Steph Curry real life?" 
And so I think, I think we we've already answered that. that, and it is no, no, no way, not real life. I don't know what he is, what planet he came from. Here's how we get back to the Celtics: Does Celtics Warriors Finals go seven games? That comes from John Harris. I say yes. Yeah, <laughs> seven. All games. all OT. Only because John's at Buffalo Wild Wings, though. Otherwise, I, it would be a sweep. Man, I gotta call them up. Uh, this is a total missed sponsorship opportunity. Yeah. I've name dropped them a bunch of times here, and I had to pay full price for my food last night. I'm, I'm sure Buffalo Wild Wings is really kicking themselves that they couldn't spon- sponsor the Rain and Jays this week. Huge missed opportunity for them. Well, we'll have to get on that. So, okay, back to the Celtics and some of these uh, Twitter questions. Uh, Harley Harrison asks, do the Celtics miss Kelly Olenek more than expected? I don't know about more than expected. I think, you know, he's – everybody knew how important he was, I think, to that second unit. I do think one thing to keep an eye on, that one, – one of the Celtics' most reliable lineups recently when Kelly Olenek was healthy was that four bench with Jarebko, Kelly Olenek, Marcus Smart, Evan Turner, and then Avery Bradley. That lineup for the season – has played 125 minutes, which is actually the second most used lineup the Celtics have behind the starting lineup. And has outscored opponents by 19.2 points per 100 possessions, which is huge. Now, recently, Tyler Zeller's been playing with that group, and they've actually been outscored by opponents. And it's a super small sample size. Obviously, a lot of factors go into that. But that's something to keep an eye on, because that was a killer, killer bench lineup that really extended leads or took back the lead in a lot of games and really changed games. So now with Tyler Zeller, things are a little different there. And there's not the same spacing for Evan Turner and Marcus Smart to create. And I I, I do think that it, it's a pretty big issue. Maybe it won't matter as much because they're on a homestand for a while, and they, can, they still have other ways to win. Obviously, they, they have a lot of depth. But Kelly Linux's absence definitely matters because I mean before he went down they they were kind of playing their they were playing their best basketball of the year and I think they've played quite as well since then but you know they they've still won a few games and they've won two straight at home and ten straight overall um, but two in a row now and they still have three more on this home stand and then they go to Cleveland for one game and then they're back home for two more or three more no two more so, so an important part of their schedule right now to kind of build out their lead for that number three seed. Because they, they're starting to talk about home court now. Home court advantage, that's a thing. It's, it's a real thing, and it looks like they're in the driver's seat. But I think this homestand is really important for them to kind of keep, keep that lead and, and maybe extend it if possible. Yeah, uh, I think it would be huge if they could do that. Yeah, I agree that we've talked about this, that Kelly Olenek is, is definitely missed I wrote about it this morning in the morning dump that he's he, the spacing that he brings is very important, but that they've also got a, a pretty good coaching staff, I would say, and they can figure things out. So they're they're doing all right, uh, and I do, I wonder, you know, it's kind kind of curious if Tyler Zeller is going to start working on extending his range at some point over the summer. Like, is he going to? It seems. You know like, what's funny? Just the other day at practice. He was shooting above the break threes and trying them. And one of the coaches was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, he, and he said, no, no, not from here. He said, but I've got the corners. 
And so he is trying to extend it. I don't know how long it will take him. Brandon Bass, it took him, you know, a year plus to even feel comfortable trying to shoot it. And even then, he rarely, rarely shot corner threes and never above the break threes. But who knows? Guys like that, he's never shot longer than, you know, 16, 17 feet. He's not the type of guy who shoots, like, on the line like like Cylinder does. He he's I he's closer in most of the time. Yeah, I mean he's he's a couple feet in, but look, it's it's still at that point. He's three feet. You move three feet back, and I mean it makes a huge difference as far as I don't think people realize how far away that three point line really is until you get on a basketball court and you shoot. You try to shoot from that spot. It it looks closer on TV. You get on the floor and you try to jack up one of those things, that's not an easy shot to make, which makes the Steph Curry madness even crazier. But when you're on yeah. the court and you realize how far away that line is, you're like, oh, man, how do guys do this with any regularity? But I- I'm sure every big man sees the writing on the wall and you have to evolve. And a guy like Zeller – I think has the potential to extend his range because he he can hit those long mid-range shots. That's not impossible to ask for him to move back three feet. It's just a matter of getting the feel and the timing and, and all of that. But he could do it. Uh, well, look, if, if Amir Johnson can do it every once in a while, then I don't see why Zeller can't. He, he's He's got... He's a good shooter. He, he he's good yeah. for mid range, so it's not unthinkable. Not tomorrow, but over the summer, and maybe he yeah one of those things. And talk about increasing his value. If he can do that, and the Celtics see that he can do that, maybe they bring him back. Maybe he just next year we see a, a little bit different iteration of the Tyler Zeller experience. Yeah, so. I mean it's a new world, but you've got like Louis Scola firing threes for Toronto. It, it is a new NBA world. World. While while we're talking about, I mean, I I, I just got off the rails with Louis Scola, so I, I think I'm going to bring things back a little bit. I, I want to shout out a couple of guys who we don't really talk about a lot because a lot of the times they seem to do the same things every night. Their offense is mostly a factor of a lot of it is a factor of their other teammates who are getting them shots. Avery Bradley and Jared Sullinger over the 11 games in February. Bradley, 16 points, 48% from the field, 45% from three, on six attempts per game from three. That's huge. To get that out of him, plus his defensive production, huge. Jared Sullinger, who had struggled with his field goal shooting for a long time, in the month of February, 12.5 points, 8.3 rebounds, 51% field goal shooting. Those guys have played really well lately. And I think they've been really important to the to boost of offense. And maybe, you know, they, they've been a factor of the boost of offense where everybody else playing better offense has helped them. But th- those guys are playing really good basketball. I, I think I just, just wanted to point that out, throw that out there. We probably don't talk about those guys enough because they seem to do, even when they don't play well, they kind of seem to do the same things every night. And But, but they deserve to be mentioned. No, you know what? That's a good point. Uh, and I think... I think Sullinger has definitely stepped up and and improved a lot lately, so very worthy of being mentioned. Uh, at Simp Nation asks, can you talk about Jordan Mickey 
and what he needs to do to get playing time. Is there another injury needed? Uh, and then he says, to me, he reminds me of Amare. Do you agree? <laughs> it's a, a, hell of a, a hell of a comparison to make for a rookie who hasn't played. He's played um, literally a minute and 47 seconds of meaningful basketball in the NBA this season. Right. And so, I, 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 get, I guess the... And Amari is like one of the most athletic dunk machines of all time when he was in his prime. So yeah. he averaged like, didn't he average 40 on the Spurs in one playoff series? Let's calm that all yeah. down. I think he might have just been saying body-wise, kind of stylistically. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have a real good comparison for Jordan Mickey. But I, I think the Celtics... There's there are a couple things going on. Like last week, we spent a lot of time talking about how Mickey needs to play, and it doesn't matter. They should work him in there more. I love that he got some meaningful minutes uh, a couple couple games ago, but now, you know, it, it's still it's still not happening with any regularity. But they're also trying to win. They really they're the third seed, and I think Brad Stevens really sees an opportunity here, and the Celtics see an opportunity here to have some real success even though no one really feels like they're going to go to the conference finals but they could it's not impossible to for that to happen and when you're this far along in your development the success can be spun to potential free agents by saying hey look how close we got we got one guy who just made his first all-star game he's 5-9 and you know that that's our best player, and we we did all of this with guts and grit and all the other stuff that KG used to say. Now we need you, and we get over that hump. That's a that's a hell of a selling point to a free agent. Who tell me if you're if you're a free agent if you're out there hunting for a job and somebody tells you you're the missing piece to making this organization great that makes you feel pretty good so i can see i can see that the success is important in that way even though realistically playing jordan mickey regular rotation minutes for a game just to kind of see where he is i don't see the i don't see the issue with that but i don't think he's going to get much time unless we you know unless the matchup dictates where the Celtics feel like his skill set will help them win the game I don't think they're in any in any hurry to give him minutes I think it would be more like foul trouble or something like that and while we're on the concept of foul trouble I really appreciate what Stevens does when players pick up a lot of fouls which is he doesn't do anything (laughs) he leaves them on the court and he lets them keep playing because most coaches sit guys, you know, as soon as they pick up their second foul in the first quarter or their third foul in the second, guys just send them right to the bench. And a lot of the times you can actually limit the minutes your player could have played by doing that. You, instead of letting them play and let them pile up minutes and see what happens. And in the meantime, they're on the court, you sit them on the bench and you, give them no chance to stay on the court. Stevens goes the complete opposite way. Marcus Smart picked up his third foul the other day. He stayed on the court. Jay Crowder has been in foul trouble a few times. Stevens lets him stay on the court. And 
I, I really think that's the best way to deal with foul trouble because a lot of guys, a lot of times you you hurt your guy by putting him on the bench and you, you limit the time he could play and the amount he could produce. And Stevens is just like, whatever. And I think part of it is because he has such a deep team and there isn't a huge drop-off if, say, Smart picks up his fourth foul or whatever it is. But I, I love that mentality. I don't think enough coaches use that. Yeah, and there's a trust factor to that too because you have to trust your player to not uh, pick up that extra foul. Although I'm not sure he trusts them. <laughs> I think he knows they're hackers. <laughs> they have been hackers all season, and, and they continue to hack no matter how many times he tells them that, that the Celtics need to stop fouling so often. So I, I'm not sure it's the trust. I, I think it's more that he just wants to maximize the minutes, and he thinks that playing a guy through foul trouble is the best way to do that. So I, I do appreciate what he does there. Um, one thing, I, I think, was the Minnesota game, that was this week, right? That was after our last? That was after our last show. Yeah, so back to the Minnesota game. We probably don't want to talk about, about the Minnesota game. Carl Towns, unreal. That guy's going to be unbelievable. But that's a bad loss. The, when you look back at this season, the Celtics have had a handful of really bad losses that are kind of head scratchers and have kept them from being really, really, really good. Let's say they handled Brooklyn the two times they lost to Brooklyn and L.A., the Lakers, when they lost to the Lakers and Minnesota and Minnesota. Now, all of a sudden, like even like the two seed would have been a possibility. But so I, that those bad losses have really limited this team as, as good as they've been and as competitive as they've been every single night, they've just had some really bad losses that have limited their, their record. And and I don't know what it is about playing a bad team. And maybe it's just that their margin of error isn't big and it doesn't matter who they're playing. They can lose. And their scrambling defense is tough to play as well as they play it most nights. It's tough to sustain that. But that is, they're going to look back if they finish, you know, half a game or a game out of home court. They're going to look back at a handful of those games, including that Minnesota game, and being like, damn, I wish we could have grabbed that one. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but they also beat the Clippers. They beat the Cavs. But, but you look at the Clippers. And you look at them, like, yeah, the Clippers have this huge reputation. There isn't a lot of difference in, you know, their their net ratings this year. Like, the, the, the way they've performed compared to the Clippers, when they have the Clippers at home, I, I think they were actually favorites against the Clippers in that game. So it, that's not like a huge upset like you think it is. Obviously, it's a, it's a good win and one that maybe you don't, necessarily anticipate when that game happens but that's not like an outrageous win it's it's far more of an outrageous loss to lose to minnesota i think than it is an outrageous win to beat the clippers okay i mean that's i just i look at a season and i i, I agree i agree that those are bad losses and the the minnesota loss hurt we know that the size hurts this team uh, and and they just they should have won but they also didn't have Kelly. 
just certain things worked against him. You lose you lose those games sometimes. Uh, the 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 Nets losses I didn't like. The Lakers loss obviously was bad. But I I, I just you can say that in every season, and and that's just how it goes. So you, you lose to teams that you should beat, but you also beat teams that you should lose to. So I think it tends to even out uh, overall. So you can you can Fine. certainly you Fine. can certainly sit there and lament the losses. And you're not entirely. I'm not saying you're you're wrong, but I don't think it's. I think it also. There's other sides to it. I think that some of those wins. I think that just you know it evens out. Rational, John. You're rational. Happy go ahead and be rational here. Um, one thing I did want to talk about after that. So that that Timberwolves game. Obviously, it was against Kevin Garnett. He didn't play. But so before the game, I'm talking to Avery Bradley about Kevin Garnett. And he loves Kevin Garnett, like just thinks Kevin Garnett meant the world to shaping his mentality toward the NBA and his work ethic, everything. But he's telling me before the game, I, I, I need to get a signed jersey from Kevin Garnett. I need to get it. To, I'm, I'm really excited about getting this Kevin Garnett jersey. I'm like, wow, <laughs> a teammate. He, he wants to get his teammate signed jersey that bad. But it just, you know, Avery Bradley was 18 when he came in the NBA. The guys he was playing with, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, they were his heroes. Like he, he walked into the NBA and played with his heroes immediately. So after the game, he, he talked in his little scrum, the media scrum. There was, I don't know how many reporters. And I went afterward to, to see if he had gotten the signed jersey. And he flashed it to me. I didn't even ask him. He flashed it to me with this huge smile, like so happy. So I, I followed him outside and he he showed it to me and he said with this warning he said i really shouldn't be showing you this but you know how kevin talks <laughs> 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 so, so, so i look at it and i mean it, it was classic kevin garnett vulgarity had like he couldn't just write his name or write a simple message he had to to throw vulgarity i'll let you guys use your imaginations about what it actually said but on the two, it had his little vulgar message. And on the one, it had his name signed. And Avery Bradley's going to put it in his office next to other signed jerseys of Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Rajon Rondo, and Jermaine O'Neal, which I think was, I guess, the starting five for most of his rookie season because Perk was hurt. So that is pretty cool. That was pretty cool. And I mean, I, I wish I could share with you guys what this you, Kevin you Garnett got, signature says. You got to say, you got to give I, us a hint. I can't, I can't. I, I, this one thing I cannot share. Okay. <laughs> but use your imaginations. It, it, it was incredible. It was, it was classic Garnett. So I, I wanted to share that story because okay. it was, first of all, I loved how, I appreciate how enthusiastic Avery Bradley was about this signature of his former teammate. And then the warning, I shouldn't be showing this to you, but, <laughs> but you know how Kevin talks. <laughs> Amazing. Right, let's, let's get some rapid fire here. Cause uh, the show is running a bit on the long side, but uh, it's been going so well. I just haven't wanted to stop. So let's just quickly answer some of these questions here that people have sent in James cop. Should the Celtics overpay for Al Horford in this off season? He's not a max player, in my opinion. I think that a max offer to Horford 
if he leaves the team, it's going to be a four-year deal rather than a five-year deal. So that some of the things that you were worried about or people were worried about in a trade, you don't have that fifth year. So four years of Al Horford, a little more pal- palatable as he gets yeah, older than that. I think it would be year. thirty-three in the last year of it, right? And yeah, th- thirty-three in this day and age, like that's really not that old. He's he's a guy whose game I think would probably age well. He doesn't. He's a really smart player. He can now shoot threes. He and the thing about signing Al Horford and overpaying, as the questioner said, you get to if you sign a free agent like that. You add him to the team, and you still get to keep everybody else. It's it's not like you're giving up assets. You still have all the other assets to go ahead and trade for somebody or, or do right. whatever. And then you just have Al Horford on top of the current core. So, yeah, yeah. sure. I, I think <laughs> If it's you can go get move. Al Horford on a four-year deal, and, and, and the other I thing think to, you have to, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing to remember is that uh, signing him – as a free agent, it's four and a half percent raises versus seven and a half percent raises that he gets every year. So you're really not spending anywhere close to the money you would have if you had traded for him and then re-signed him to a five-year max deal. There's so much more money involved in that, which is why people tend to think that there's an advantage. You have an advantage when you trade for a guy like that because you can offer him so much more. So on a four-year deal with the raises being uh, – close to half of what they would be. Uh, otherwise, I think uh, giving him a max deal this summer would be a no-brainer to me, uh, especially especially when that doesn't even take up all of the free cap space that you have and yeah. you get more cap space next year. So that, to me, I, I, I do it. I do it without a, a hesitation. Um, will Ainge, this is from at Jive John, Will Ainge say F it and push all... 2016 draft picks on the table for the number one pick. I mean, if he could, <laughs> probably, yeah. But the thing is, once you get that number one pick, it is tough to trade for anything, and especially for lower picks. You know, you have that number one pick, and it has a high percentage normally, shout out to Michael Olacandy, of being a really good player. And the lower you get in the draft, the less likely it is that you're going to get a really good player. And that's just a fact. So, sure, I mean, I think he would love to trade them all for the number one pick. But unless the Celtics get, like, the number two or three pick and still have the, their other first-round picks, then maybe maybe you'd have a chance. But it's really tough to move up once, you, once you're trying to get into that top one or two or three. I mean, the Celtics ran into that last year with Justice Winslow when they tried to <laughs> they tried to give everything to get Justice Winslow, and they couldn't do it. Right, and and I they think... were just—I mean, they were just trying to move up to nine at the end of it. it. They tried to move up as high as number four, but by the end, they were trying to move up to nine, ten, and still couldn't do it. Well, I think yeah, it's it's tough trading draft picks on draft day. It's like that's when the that's the one time they hold the least amount of value. Uh, the only way I think the Celtics could pull that scenario off is if they had, say, uh, the third pick and the eighth pick from Dallas. Like if that was like the highest possible pick 
because it's a top seven protected pick. So if they had three, eight in their own pick, and then they maybe could swing a trade for number one and maybe a future a future pick or something like that. But that just depends on who the number one pick, that whoever holds that pick, how they value the rest of the draft. If they like the guy that's at three, then then you can do it. But if they are heart set on the on whoever it is, Simmons or whomever, then no, that's not going to happen. Uh, uh, Sean asks, should the Celtics bother with any of the vet free agents or should the focus be on developing end-of-bench guys? I, I, I assume that that like means buyout, a role player. Buyout guys. market? Um, I, I he think must mean buyout market, right? Uh, it, it doesn't say. We could, I, I well, let's go both. Let's just buyout say market. buyout market. I, I don't think that there's any need to add anybody in the buyout market, uh, but there are yeah. some guys that are interesting. But I don't think they need to add anybody. Somebody like Joe Johnson obviously would have helped, but he's in Miami. Uh, Marcus Thornton kind of intrigues me a little, just because like he's been in Boston. He helped Boston. He's a shooter. They could use shooting. They could use more wing depth. And I, I, the only thing is, would he want playing time? Because they don't necessarily have it for him. Uh, if he wanted to come back to Boston as insur- as assurance, cool. But, you know, you can't guarantee guys like that. And I think that hurts Boston in the bio market, even though they have the full room exception, which is more than the minimum salary offer most teams can can throw out there they don't have a lot of minutes to go around and the the guys that they'll be looking at and there aren't a lot of intriguing options on the buyout market yet i don't think at all but the guys that are they probably want to play somewhere and boston just has a lot of good players already and it's tough to crack that rotation i think that probably hurt them when when joe johnson was on the market because he looked there and was like, you know what? I have a more obvious role somewhere else where I don't have to be competing against Jay Crowder and Marcus Smart and Evan Turner and Avery Bradley for minutes. And that's just how it goes. So I don't think there are a lot of guys out there that will crack or would crack the Boston rotation. And I don't think they're going to add somebody who just to add somebody, it would have to be someone who they think could fit in chemistry wise, who they think, will help them on the court. Yeah, I think a, a shooter, like you mentioned, would be the, the one thing that I could see them trying to add. Otherwise, there's no need. And so, uh, look, I'd love I'd love to see them develop the end-of-the-bench guys. I'd love to see, obviously, Mickey get in there and R.J. Hunter. I want to see what Rozier has. I want James Young to, to become something. Uh, but uh, this situation... It's not going to happen. It's, it's not, not going to happen. happen. They're fighting for home court advantage. Yeah, that's not going to happen know, right now. It, it's, this it's isn't tough. this isn't the middle of last season when they were like, "All right, let's throw Phil Pressy out there and James Young and see what happens." It's this is they're in the stretch run of and trying to get home court advantage for the first round of the playoffs. They're not going to all of a sudden sit there and be like, "You know what? Let's throw Terry Rozier and R.J. Hunter out there for ten minutes piece and see what happens." Yeah. It's it's just not going to happen. No, nope, nope. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is a new Twitter account called at Celtics hot takes, which is just, that cracks me up by the way. Celtics hot takes has cracked me up. Yeah. There, there are very few Twitter accounts like that that are well executed. 
Yeah. But Celtics hot takes so far has been has kept a smile on my face. So yeah. shout out to Celtics hot takes, whoever you are, whoever it is. Yeah, that <laughs> it's funny because they're they're basically if Tangway was like legitimately trying to make these arguments, that would be the Celtics hot takes. Um, <laughs> and but this actually seems like a serious question. How useful can these analytics really be if Evan Turner's eighth in VORP with value over replacement player? Ninth in uh, BPM and eleventh in win shares of, uh, for the team. Uh, other than saying Turner is playing pretty well right now, I, I don't know. I, well, I, I think first of all, Celtics are really deep, and second of all, his numbers are hurt because he spent too much time with David Lee. <laughs> too much time on the court with David Lee has hurt his advanced numbers this season. He is much improved. Turner is much improved as a defender. He is starting to score efficiently. He's won them a lot of games, as I said earlier, in clutch moments. Uh, but he played on the bench with David Lee, and David Lee dragged down everyone's advanced Everything. numbers. Everything. Everything. It's unbelievable how much he dragged them down. But they were. I mean, yeah. But Turner. Turner. I don't know. At the beginning of the year, I guess. I guess we can blame it on Lee because, but. He was blame just, everything on David Lee. Yeah, that, just that's blame, just been my philosophy in life lately. Let's do that. Let's just blame it all on David Lee. So he dragged down everything, everybody's analytics, everything. Um, let's see one more, one more Twitter question, and then I got a couple of things here. Uh, oh, we're back to the Golden State game. Where does Warriors Thunder rank among best NBA regular season games ever? Well, I'll just I'll just end it. It was awesome, and it was awesome. Yeah, it was. It's <laughs> That's in, it. It's in the team picture uh, of of best regular season games of all time. Yeah, it's, that the, was... I mean, fr- from a, I will say this from a standpoint of quality of play and superstars, superstarring, and drama. There were very few games I have ever seen that have even come close. So, it, it was incredible. It was it was awesome. And I'm I'm very 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 grateful that the Celtics had a three o'clock tip, so that I could watch it. Yeah, yeah, and that was on prime time. It wasn't it wasn't one of those ten thirty starts. It was yeah. it was good. That was great. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's wrap it up with a couple of final notes, uh, a rant, if you will. No, no, not We've a rant. Don not rant. rant it's, it's it's just kind of more of the same crap. This Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Greg Dickerson, uh, Gary Tangway stuff. People mentioned it. People tweeted it to us. So uh, I I will just say that if you're paying attention to those guys for anything Celtics, then you're it's it's almost your own fault because they're not. And I don't know what happened to Dickerson. Dickerson was good, but these uh, guys. Go ahead. I, I, I think what happened is they value Isaiah Thomas. I, from from where I'm sitting, they they value Isaiah Thomas kind of like everyone else does, where he's really really good offensively, and has some defensive shortcomings, and there are other players in the league that are better than he is, and he knows that. Isaiah Thomas, he right now I don't think he's an All NBA player. He wants to become one. He's he's said that's one of his goals. I think the problem is that they just delivered the message so harshly, like he will never be a. I, I think Dickerson kind of meant that Isaiah Thomas, like he, he even said later in the, his segment 
Isaiah Thomas, every team needs a guy like Isaiah Thomas, which it's weird to say he's not a star, but every championship team needs a guy like him. You know, when you think like when you think about that Celtics team that won the title in 2008, he's Isaiah Thomas is different than Ray Allen, but at this stage, like he he's just as good as Ray Allen was those years, right? Well, I'm just as good, close, better. He's he, I, yeah, okay. I'll put I'll put him in the same in the same realm. Yeah, yeah. Like he and yeah, he, he can be part of your championship core. I think. I I, don't, I mean yes. he's he's an incredible offensive talent. You, if you look at his fourth quarter offensive numbers, they're absurd. He's averaging more points per 36 minutes in the fourth quarter than any human NBA player. And by human NBA player, I am excluding only one, and that's Stephen Curry. So he he is averaging more points per 36 minutes than Kevin Durant, LeBron James in the fourth quarter. And he's doing it super efficiently. So, I mean, Isaiah Thomas can absolutely be part of a championship team. It's just you need to have better talent around him. And I think in Boston, he absolutely fits right now. And I think he will fit. I, I mean, he, he can, <laughs> the guy can play. Yeah. My, guy my, bigger can play. Issue, my bigger issue is that, like you said, the, the way it's de- delivered. And this is more Tangway than Dickerson. I think Dickerson was speaking more matter-of-factly. Uh, Tangway is a troll. He and he's and I've had him on a podcast before. I've had him on a show. We talked about it, and he he admits it that he has an opinion. And for radio or TV, he he ramps up the volume to eleven, and and that's what he does because that's that that's entertainment value, which I hate. And I told him that, and I continue to hate that. Be genuine when I say something. If I'm passionate about it, it's because I passionately believe it, and I'm not turning things on just to just to troll people and get reactions. You know, sometimes I'll make a joke and and try to you know add some effect for that, but I'm not going out there trying to troll players on Twitter and make these huge definitive statements just so people can react to me. If people want to react, react. That's fine. If they don't, they don't. But I'm telling you genuinely what I feel. At this moment in time, based on the information that I have, and that Tangway doing what he does, it, that's it's it's not. I don't think that's sustainable, and I think there's only there's a reason why that he's stuck at CSN and he's not getting other jobs at ESPN or doing whatever. Like he's because he's he's got this little shtick and he's trying to get these reactions, and it it takes away from him actually being good at what he does. All he's good at is the Felger and Maz crap. We're going to say something uh, provocative just so you can be mad at me, and that's how we're going to get our ratings. That's crap. I hate it. So I I, I would just advise. Tell us how you really feel, John. Don't, don't, don't hold back. Don't listen to those guys. Don't follow them on Twitter. Don't pay attention to what they say on the TV because it's it's only infuriating. Don't hold back, John. <laughs> I'll say this: Tangway is. I, I don't know him personally. I'm not even sure I've ever been introduced to him or introduced myself to him. Uh, he, he rarely ever comes to Celtics games. I've heard he's a great guy. 
I, I will throw that out there. Hurdy's a great guy. Um, yeah, the, the, and That's... then he tweet the tweet at Isaiah Thomas bothered me. That that was the one part. Like, say what you want on TV. That's your job. Uh, why tweet at him? Like, like you're not a great player. What what does that do except further rile people up? Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly why he did it. That, and he, let that, me say this: I have met Gary Tangway in person. I've interacted with him. Uh, when I used to work at WBZ TV in Boston, he would fill in as a sports guy every once in a while. He is a good guy, and he's not. He's he he's smart, and I've actually had basketball conversations with him where he actually can talk intelligently on basketball. He just chooses not to in this forum, and that's what really bugs me because it's not genuine. He doesn't think the things that he's saying all the time. He may have, he might think it a little bit, but then he really ramps it up so people can react. That's the part that bugs me. So it's disingenuous, and and I'll, I'll never enjoy that at all. Maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe maybe people do like that, and they just want to yell at somebody. But well, we're on the topic of trolls. Phil Jackson just sent out one of the most absurd and if he is trolling brilliant tweets I've ever seen ever. I mean, this is unreal. This is I'm just reacting to this for the first time while we're recording this. <laughs> Phil Jackson, who has 11 championship rings as a coach. Never seen anything like Stephen Curry. Remind you of Chris Jackson slash Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, who had a short but brilliant run in NBA. Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, that is the comparison we're throwing out for Stephen Curry. Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, come on, Phil. Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. That's incredible. That that now that is how you troll. That's Phil Jackson is good at that. He's very good at that. Yeah. Um, uh, the last thing I want to mention is about Delonte West, who seems to be having some problems. And uh, a few people, Jack McMullen had the the comments. Uh, it just he needs help, and he's not a punchline. I'm glad that she said that. I just wanted to quickly uh, add my voice to that. That Delonte West. Uh, has been very famously dealing with mental issues, bipolar issues, and um, it's somebody. I, I hope he gets the help that he needs, not even in a you know so he can play basketball again, but just so he can live life like normally uh, without these issues and not come back and be on the internet for for wandering around with his shoes off or anything like that. So. Uh, yeah, you know, I just hope he. Do, I just hope he gets better. We all. I think Boston still loves Delonte. Yeah, that's a sad situation. What What's going on over there? So hopefully, hopefully these are just isolated incidents. And as you said, he gets help, gets better, and, and can kind of take control of his life again because he has had issues with bipolar disorder or whatever it was, whatever his health uh, disorder was in the past, and. It's just sad, sad. You don't want to see a guy like that. And he seems like, like a, a pretty good guy in most cases, but he just has these kind of bizarre things that, that he's done, including the the time when he was in Cleveland 
and got arrested. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully he can just kind of get everything under control and, and get his life back, gain regain control of his life. And yeah, poor well, Delante, man. As you said, not not a punchline at all. No. Well, we're you know we're pulling for you, Delante, and and we hope you get better. Let, uh, that'll do it for the show. We there's a whole lot of show today. There's a lot. Uh, thanks to Sean Devaney for joining us uh, earlier. Thank you to John Duke for uh, starting the show uh, on a, a funny a funny note. I hope we you enjoyed the joke. Um, and I want to say, uh, especially want to say thank you to all of the listeners who have been uh, downloading. Listening to the show, our our show numbers have been increasing. Basically, every show uh, we're we're reaching certain milestones faster each show, and we're getting more listeners. And we really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, I'm going to do what everybody does. Everybody in the podcast, we beg for five star ratings, but it really does help uh, if you find us on Audio Boom or Stitcher. Uh, if you go to the Audio Boom page, you can get our RSS feed and plug it to any podcasting app that you want and it'll just come directly to your phone uh, however you want to do it uh, but we appreciate that thank you very much uh, of course if you haven't found us on social media jay is at by jay king i'm at reds army underscore john uh, read jay stuff at masslive.com uh, he's doing a really great job over there uh, read my stuff at redsarmy.com he's doing a really great job over there <laughs> Just whatever, click. Your, your clicks sustain me. And uh, that's it. We will see you next week on the Rainy Days Podcast. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.